You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. And it is Tech Fan Podcast number 244. I'm Tim Robertson and special guest today since David is... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> David is back. I'm back. How, how was your, uh, your couple weeks in uh, Florida? It was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, we haven't been to the, we haven't been to the States of the family for a long time. And I even, even I haven't been back there for a couple of years. So it was nice just kind of chill, take it easy, you know, eat some good food, um, spend time with the family. Obviously warm weather, much warmer weather than we have in the UK down in Florida at the moment. Um, so it was nice. So we, we'd been there a couple of days and there was kind of a storm system came in very early one morning and we were awake because jet lag. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like five thirty six a.m. and we hear this thing come over, and we're watching the rain out the window. And all of a sudden, the rain, the wind picks up, and the rain goes horizontal, and things start shaking. I thought we were going to have to hide in the bathtub. I really thought we were about to be hit by a tornado. It was a real kind of squall that yeah. went over. And uh, later on, we went out for breakfast, and basically, you know, there was stuff just trashed everywhere. We watched the hotel that was that was two deck chairs that were in the pool actually at the bottom of the pool <laughs> i mean it was it was really crazy just for a few minutes there so uh yeah that was fun but, we just uh, no, uh, we had a good time good i'm glad to hear that you deserve to have a vacation you and the family and uh you know i'm glad that everyone got at least some relaxation and i think that's important um yeah we just had a a, a pretty big weather event here in uh, west michigan as well we had a really big snowstorm move in uh late wednesday night and uh kids that ha- didn't have school on thursday and today today being friday wow and we got a foot of snow here uh, maybe a little bit more and <clears throat> on wednesday i actually lost my voice it's still not 100 yeah. percent. i don't know if you can tell or not uh, i can tell you yeah it, it's not it's still not 100 percent. i was pretty much uh, reduced to whispering on Wednesday. It got a little bit better on Thursday, and my days were messed up. I kept feeling like Thursday was going to be Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, So on Wednesday, I felt like it was Thursday, and I had a podcast the next day, and I was like, how am I going to podcast without a voice? I jokingly said on Facebook, um, I'm going to do the first silent hand puppet podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, so now it's Friday. It's It's flashcards. Yeah, it's back, although if I try to talk loudly... It just shuts off. It's like I, oh, I go up in decibel and it just doesn't happen. We better not get too excited on this show. Then. No, that's probably a good idea. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was the weather, stress, uh, a little bug going around. I don't know. I don't know. I've been highly stressed lately and I don't really want to get into that. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's a weird thing when, like you and I, we podcast. If you lose your voice... It's kind of reason for concern. You're like, hey, wait a minute. Now, look, neither one yeah. of us make our 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 living podcasting, you know. But still, it is what keeps us vaguely sane. Mm. <laughs> vaguely being the key word in that sentence. Um, <laughs> but the snowstorm. Talking about weather for a second and technology, I suppose. Um, you will remember just a couple months ago, I started talking about, uh, getting a new roof on my house. I got a metal roof. Now our house is three and a half stories tall. Uh, it's really, really tall. It's only a two story house, but it's the peak is way up there. 
So we have a very uh-huh. steep pitched roof, and there was no way in hell I was going to do the work. So we paid someone to put the new roof on. And literally with the metal roof, you lay it right over the top of what's already there. And you also don't have to vent your roof like a normal roof with a metal roof. It's quite cool. I like the look of it. Um, it's it's pretty cool. I know Gene, John Nemo has wanted pictures, and I'll, I'll get you pictures eventually, John. Mm. Um, the guy who did the work for us had told me that snow won't stick to it. At least a lot of snow won't stick to it. We've had a little bit of snow here and there, and it has stuck to it. Well, mm-hmm. what I didn't realize is, and this is kind of neat, snow is one of the worst things for your roof. Now, you yeah. get a foot of snow on your roof. That's thousands of thousands of pounds of snow, of weight, sitting on top of your roof. That's where yeah. you can start having problems. That's why people in uh, you know snow belt areas anywhere in the world has to get that snow off their roof if they get a huge accumulation. Now, we got a foot of snow within 24 hours. That's a lot of snow really fast. Yeah. Sitting here, Brooke and I were in the computer room. We've got a foot of snow on the roof. And all of a sudden, we hear this, and then it stops. And she looks at me, and I look at her. She was like, Dad, what was that? I was like, you know what? I think that might have been the snow coming off the roof. Went outside. There's not a speck of snow anywhere on my roof now. Yeah. It, it it completely buried Julie's truck. I was going to say, but yeah, <laughs> you, you walk outside, you go, oh, the roof's clear. Where are my cars going? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you know, I would ra- I'd rather bury the car than sitting on my roof for yeah. a couple of days. We're supposed to get up towards the fifties on Sunday, so this snow isn't sticking around at all. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's kind of neat when you when you have a, a metal roof that's such a steep pitch. The snow just it, it, the more snow you get, the more likely it's just going to come right off because it, it, there's nothing to stick to. Yeah. Whereas with a shingle roof, it stayed up there until it melted. Yeah. So it was pretty neat. Cool. So you can start having a neighborhood competition to uh, throw snowballs at your roof when it when it snows to see how quick they can knock it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's start the avalanche on uh, the Robertson's roof. <laughs> so um, a lot a lot happened in the last few weeks. It, you know, we get stretches where we get a month or two, and there's just not a lot of tech things going on. Mm. You take vacation and. and Apple and the FBI go at it. We discover gravity waves. I mean, it, it was crazy. And I do want to thank Dan Lizette, Owen Rubin, uh, for coming on uh, two weeks ago. And la- last week, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Mark Chappell came on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Notice I just said Chappell. Yeah. Chapel. I know. I'm just messing with Mark. Um, you know, I, I do appreciate them coming on and, and uh, discussing some of the stuff. But. Obviously, we've got a lot to discuss. We've got a lot of feedback, mm-hmm. and I have to say, the the feedback champion champion right now is uh, Brendan Rowland. He mm-hmm. sent yeah. a number of emails on one topic, and that's the decline of Apple software, which is what you and I were talking about. Not at all. <laughs> well, we talked about it a little bit, but that was the big discussion that Dan Lizette, Owen Rubin, and I had. And I have to imagine, as uh, the regular co-host here with me, you not being on that show, you must have been yelling at your speakers listening to that. Pretty much, yeah. It was uh, it was frustrating not being able to participate in the conversation. Um, I mean, the big takeaway that, that, that I had from it was, um, I think I think one of the things that, that I, I think um, 
I think Owen in particular kind of kept conflating, and that that was really where I wanted to come back on is the difference between software quality in terms of bugginess and then it's fit and finish in terms of user design because i think those two things are completely separate issues with apple software I agree. Uh, and and i think apple's focus has been very much on the bugginess of the software and i think they've done a lot of work to try and make it less buggy and i think the reason they are perhaps slightly perplexed by all this pushback saying you know we don't like apple software anymore is they're going well we're looking the bug trackers and our software has never been more stable um it's never worked as well but the thing is i think a lot of the things that don't work are the sort of things that don't really report well in bug trackers um and uh they they also can't capture at all people's difficulties with just using the software yeah the frustration especially for people who have been using the software for many years like you and i yeah uh, or me Owen Rubin and I even longer in that there's a level of expectation that we have that, Hey, I can do this, this, and this with the software, a new version rolls out and they remove half the features that made that software as useful and productive as it was. iTunes yeah. is a good example. Uh, just being able to convert a file to an MP3 file, you could do it, but it's hidden. And I, there, there was no good reason to hide that, at all. Well, I, I, I mean, here, here again, I think we need to be perhaps cautious because um, I suspect that many of the things that you know, guys like you, I, Owen, Mark, and um, and Dan would complain about are the sort of things that just ninety nine percent of Apple's current users are in. They're a consumer company now; they are not a computer company right. just people aren't ripping cds anymore thus they don't yeah. really need to convert mp3s the, yeah. the way they used to i get that but that was yeah. just one small example no i, Owens I was where are my uh photo albums that i set up in iphoto once i migrated over to photos the yeah. new mac app those are all gone or they got yeah. rid of a lot of the key features that users were using and or uh, reportedly using. So there's a lot of frustration by a lot of people, and I think it's disingenuous for those who want to um, say, no, there's no problem. They're better than they've ever been. Well, no, they're really not. They might be more easier to use than they've ever been, and even that would be kind of pushing it, but they're definitely different. And I I don't know if, if... Apple's going down the right path or not when it comes to their software division. I don't think they're putting as much effort as they used to in it. I think I think the issue is, and this is a problem that that you know, I, I mean, the, the whole time that I have been an Apple follower, which is not as long as you, but longer than than probably many people. I mean, anybody who kind of came into Apple like from the iPhone onwards is, is a relative Apple neophyte. I came I came in at, at the kind of the early two thousands. Um, and uh, as the iPod was starting, was starting to get big. Um, so I've seen uh, this for a while, actually. Apple has, time after time after time, has decreased its focus on professional or technical or, or highly advanced users in the interest of simplicity uh, and new users. And, and I think that's a path that they, you know, they, they started doing it in the hardware. Uh, they're now, they've now pushed through that approach into the software. Um, it's hard to know whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing. That's the sort of thing only really a historian can judge. But it's frustrating for those of us who want to 
make more advanced use of our computers and our, uh, particularly our iOS devices, to find that um, features have been taken away, the features that we rely on. Well, I would uh, point to the sandboxing issue in the Mac App Store. Yeah. Uh, Rogue Amoeba is a prime example. They had a great piece of software that would allow you to record audio from any other app, multiple apps, and combine mm-hmm. them into one or two streams uh, for whatever reason. Well, you can't do that if you're sandboxing your app, i.e., that app can only talk to itself and nothing else. Um, that's a big problem. I mean, that really limits the functionality of apps, thus the usefulness of your computer when you do that. They, they're trying to make the Mac more like iOS in that regard. Uh, you could still download software that's not on the Mac App Store, and I think, honestly, most people still do it that way. I think the Mac App Store has been a dismal failure. Um, but the fact that Apple has these arbitrary rules, which they'll say, well, this, you know, it protects the system and, um, I, I get that, but it also decreases the usefulness of a lot of pieces of software and Absolutely. I, I don't get it. No, I, I completely agree with you. And this is this is what I'm I'm kind of saying. I think I think the choices they've made, and they let's get let's not get this straight. Let's get this straight. These are specific choices. This is not Apple just kind of dropping the ball and failing to think about things. I think these are specific choices. So Apple will have a internally will have a a deep and probably very well thought out, and probably if you ask the right person, relatively well articulated. Um, justification for taking this approach this is not you know a company like apple who who are who are so careful don't do these sort of things by accident so clearly somebody in apple and i don't know who it is or i don't know how what group it is thinks that this is the right way to go to get to really push into consumerization to uh, seek simplicity above everything else um the problem is is that apple in my mind always excelled at being simple um Simple to look at, simple to pick up and use. But once you got be, got be um, deeper into it, got behind the uh, the surface gloss, you actually found there was real power there. And that was, to me, was the transformative effect of Apple software combined with their hardware. And I think they're losing that, or they're in danger of losing that, in in, in the interest of oversimplicity. I watched the um, on the plane the way out to the states. I watched the uh, Steve Jobs movie, the Aaron Sorkin one, with uh, Michael Fassbender in. Um, and obviously, you know, I. I, because the, 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 I've, I've seen plenty about this movie since it came out, I recognise this movie as effectively as a play. It is it is um, a series of events around Apple and Steve Jobs that kind of portray they, and I think successfully once you look at it in that view, portray him about in terms of the kind of man he was and why the things that were important to him were important to him and, and how the things that happened to him in his life around Apple kind of shaped the man he became. Um, but one of the things in, in that, one of the, the most telling scenes is, is they have a, a, a contrived scene where um, Steve Jobs' is a strained daughter. A strange I knew you were going to bring this one yeah. up. I knew yeah. On the rooftop? Yeah. Uh, no, not the, the parking rooftop. garage. I'm, I'm talking. No, I'm talking about uh, right at the beginning. Okay. So his he the estranged daughter who he is who is denied paternity to, uh, and has thrown all sorts of terrible accusations in the media and everything at um at his former girlfriend who is the the mother of this child Lisa, um she's she's they contrive it so she's there at the launch of the Mac which of course never happened but that's by the by I actually think you know 
as as a framing device it, i i kind of i liked what they did there even though they what the mistake was they sold it as kind of a true thing when it wasn't um but anyway so they have her there and they have uh, lisa his daughter there and one of the things he does is he shows her the mac and he shows her um he basically shows her how to use the mouse and how to sort of thing. And on her own, she finds Mac Paint and she draws a picture. And it's kind of a it's it's a bookend to the movie because at the end of the movie, you find that he's kept this picture with him his whole life, and it it kind of illustrates to her that whatever he said and whatever he did, he did understand that she was his daughter and he appreciated her and her reflection of what he'd achieved with the Mac. And I think that scene to me illustrates, I think what apple always has been good at which is software that a child could pick up and use but has enough power that a child can create something amazing without thinking about it and i and i think the problem at the moment is that if you look at the photos app and everything is that it's aimed at okay well this is how i think a, a unsophisticated user wants to use it but it's really hard to get to the amazing bit well that and <laughs> They don't seem to understand that, yes, it's going to be good for the, the neophyte, the new user to use, but no one stays a new user forever. They Their understanding of apps and what they want to do becomes more complex, uh, not to mention the, the, the professionals out there. But just sticking with the everyday computer user, you buy it. Oh, I can use this. This is simple. I just plug this in and my photos show up, blah, blah, blah. I could tag things. This is kind of neat. But then it doesn't go a whole lot deeper than that. And, and that's where the problem is. Apple, and, and this is what David was saying, Apple always made software that was easy to pick up, very intuitive to use, and would grow with you as your skill grew. And you learn to do more things with the software that you didn't even realize it could do. And yeah. it was a fantastic discovery and journey for a lot of people. And that's what the Mac OS represented to a lot of us. That's why we became so passionate about this platform for many years. That's the part that I think Apple has lost. That's, yeah. that's the key moment when you become more than a neophyte and less than a professional. And and something that that kind of I've been musing on, I I believe that 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 statement that you've just articulated is precisely the reason why the iPad has struggled, while it, it seems to have plateaued. I think it has plateaued, and the reason it's plateaued is because as a platform, it has a plateau on it. You can do some amazing things with an iPad, but one at, at one at one point or other, you reach the limits of the system the limits of iOS in terms of what it will do. You you get to a point where you want to move data between different apps, where you want apps to be able to share um, a common file space, where you want to be able to move um, system functions like audio or video or uh, pictures between different applications uh, at the same time on the iPad, and you just can't. Well, there's a that, difference. I mean, with, with Mac users, people could become a Power Mac user. Yeah. You can't become a Power iPad user. You, well, um, you you can. Not you know, really. let's, let's not let's not no. Let's just to just just be clear here. You can. There are guys. You ever read um, Federico Vitici's uh, blog? I mean, he's the he's probably the ultimate um, iPad power user. But the point is, whereas with a Mac, once you kind of learn how to do it, it becomes easier and easier. The problem with the iPad is that you can learn how to do these things, but it's always hard. 
and um, you always feel like you're fighting the system. Uh, I, I'm using an iPad Pro now, and, it, and it's an amazing device, and I absolutely love it. And I really appreciate the um, the sharing functions and the multitasking functions they built into it. But they are <laughs> there are like five steps forward from where the iPad Air 2 was in terms of what you can do with it. And, and it's frustrating because you want a device that's – there's not five steps forward. You want a, a device that's five miles forward. Yep. That is, a, a, you know, much much better than the older iPads, and it's just not there yet. And I, 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 I kind of get the impression with the Pro that Apple realizes this and is looking to make changes. And maybe we will eventually see a, a proper dedicated iPad OS as opposed to iOS. Well, where, the iPad you know, Pro never would have came out with Steve Jobs at the helm. I think that the size and the pencil, honestly, were polar opposites of what Steve Jobs thought the iPad should be. Uh, I understand that. Um, having said that, the iPad Pro and the pencil in particular have been incredibly well received um, among professional users, which is just the kind of users we've been saying Apple doesn't necessarily care about. That's right. But ha- having said that, we've had this crazy thing this last week where in the betas, all of a sudden the pencil stopped being able to do anything except draw <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't work with any of the buttons and the and the Chrome around the apps. And uh, this was a ten- apparently an intentional design decision with Apple that they've now rode back because people complained. Um, and I think this just kind of illustrates their thinking, which is they are thinking about these things, but they're coming up with ideas that really a lot of professional people and a lot of power Apple users find pretty unpalatable. You know, we've got a uh, feedback from Brendan. You know, we talked about having a lot of feedback from him. He actually talks about this. Do you want to read that? Sure. It's uh, uh, page three. Page three. Page three. Yeah. Yeah, he said yet more uh, feature removed by Apple. He links to an article that, that basically discusses this particular point. And this is, I don't have one of these iPads, but what the hell is it with Apple that has caused it to indulge in an orgy of feature removal, dumbing down in recent years? Apple has become far, far worse than Microsoft with feature removal. I've been looking on... uh, I've been looking on eBay at prices of refurbished cheese grater Mac Pro machines just to know what my options will be for running Snowy. I think you mean Snow Leopard. Yep. Stroke when my existing machines, two minis, one MacBook Pro 17-inch, one MacBook Air 2010 expire. If you don't need to run latest Pro apps, you can buy a pretty highly spec cheese grater from an established refurb dealer for not too much money. If when I buy another Mac, that may well be the option I choose. That's well, what Guy Searle did. Yeah, and that's what that's what I've done. Yep. Um, that's the machine I'm running and... Um, uh, interesting. I'm, I must post. I, in fact, I will post a link um, in the show notes to the, some of the articles that discuss how you can get uh, El Capitan running on a machine, even a 2006 Mac Pro, yep. uh, with relatively simple hacks. Talking of the Pro machine, what was Apple thinking with the last? Here's uh, in quotes upgrade. It didn't upgrade the Pro for years, then brought out the stupid Trash Can Pro. The trash can wasn't what pros wanted. The trash can was a designer's wet dream for pretentious ponty plonkers like Ive who don't actually have to use it day in, day out. For pro users who do actually use the machine to earn their living, it was a retrograde, impractical machine. They couldn't care less about the fancies of designers, but instead just want speed, functionality, expandability and practicality in order to get their bloody work done. All the pro users wanted, stroke needed, was for Apple simply to upgrade the cheese grater whose form factor encompassed all their needs. 
That's all Apple had to do, plain and simple. Just upgrade the existing machine and their pro users would have been more than happy. Instead of which, Apple invented a totally new, inconvenient, unexpandable, impractical machine, which it subsequently let languish and will no doubt soon disappear. Yeah, it's been uh, updated last time was in 2013, which means the Mac Pro is now three years out of date. I had no idea that it was that old. Yeah, well, look, (laughs) I spent a lot of time on the road. Yeah. Uh, at OWC. And I talked to a lot of people, a lot of professionals, and almost to a person, they couldn't stand the new Mac Pro. And it's for exactly the reasons Brendan just said, just wrote. Um, it's not what people wanted. Now, granted, Apple is the masters of giving people what they want without them even knowing that they wanted it, but not in the pro machines. There was a reason that those machines still sold. The problem is it really didn't fit in Apple's design ethos. And there reluctance, I guess, to have a machine that's upgradable. They seem to think, well, you know, look, Thunderbolt 2 is so fast, everything you could have put inside of it, you just do in an external one now. What's the problem? Well, there's a lot of problems with that. And <laughs> principal it, problem is nobody's making those boxes. Well, there are the some. So yeah, but the, the, that's the, the problem. There are some, but the market's very small, which means the boxes are very expensive. Um, and you 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 constantly worry when you have an external box like that is well what happens if the next model that apple comes out out with suddenly doesn't support this anymore yeah you know you've then tied up a lot of money in in effectively a big expensive doorstop well Um, the same is true with internal upgrades as well i mean you get a you get a real nice graphic card and then a year later apple comes out with a new mac pro and that doesn't support that graphic card so that's always going to be an issue but but having said that I mean, there's a lot of, if you use, if you use more standards within, within the industry, I mean, I can get graphics cards today that will go in my 2006 Mac Pro and work just fine. Yep. Uh, I can buy hard drives and SSDs. In fact, I have done that go in my uh, 2006 Mac Pro just fine. So, you, you know, it, it, is, it is a balance. I think, I think the problem is Apple really gambled with the Mac Pro on the, the whole kind of external a breakout box type approach. They thought that that would definitely be the way the industry goes, and it hasn't done. And uh, they've now got a machine that, effectively, it's the modern day version of the Cube. With that, let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back with your feedback. Um, something really bad happened to uh, David yesterday, and yep. uh, much more. We'll be right back. I'm Bart Bouchard, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.lets-talk.ie Back here on TechFan244, I am Tim Robertson. He is David Cohen. We love to get feedback from you. The easiest yeah. way to do so is to send us an email the show at techfanpodcast.com. David, they could also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. They can. At David B. Cohen is my Twitter handle. Um, at at techfanpodcast is the show handle. And you are at my Mac. I am at my Mac. And yeah. on Facebook, you can follow us on uh, 
there as well. It's the Tech Fan Podcast. So we do well, have you could, some, also, you could also email Brendan because then he'd pass it on to us. Yeah, because he's really he knows the address. <laughs> I think he just, just starts typing the and it boom pops right in now for him. Uh, we love Brendan, we love you. And you know what? I, I have talked to him about this before, but we have to get him on the show at some point because I think he's got a lot to say. Right. He, and, he's uh, got a lot to good. write and say, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be good to discuss it with him in person. Um, so shout out to you, Brendan. Yeah, there's he he wrote a few. Um we can't read all of it, obviously, but I think that the uh uh, let's see. The last page is probably um, going to be worth talking about. Before we get to that, we also have feedback from Donnie Ankolo, uh and I think Elise, Elisa. So, um, before we get to that feedback, though, David, what happened to you yesterday? I I said this right before our break. Something bad happened. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of those things where you kind of with the, the benefit of, of hindsight now you look back at it and you think okay well that was an experience and I learned some things from there but at the time it was just it was pretty horrible so I was travelling for work yesterday I got back from uh, vacation on Tuesday uh, and yesterday was my first day when I had to do some travelling I went down to London um, and before I, I was waiting for my train to come back so I, I holed up in a coffee shop uh, near the near the train station and I'm working away checking up emails I was using the iPad Pro I was rocking it it was all great and everything and this guy comes into the coffee shop and he kind of looks like um, uh, he doesn't look homeless but he looks like a kind a of vagrant rough yeah rough street guy and he's carrying the big issue which is a magazine that um, they sell here, that homeless people sell over here basically the the idea behind the big issue was that this was a magazine that homeless people could sell and so could legitimately earn money for themselves to help get themselves off the street. So he has this copy of the big issue and he comes over me and he's very weird because rather most people, most people stand on the street and kind of offer this, offer this to you and you pay for it if you want it, you know, he comes right up to me and he's kind of all over me. He's really into my personal space and he slaps this magazine down the table and he's not saying very much coherent it's like he can't speak English. He's going, ooh, ooh, magazine, magazine, like this. And uh, so I said, I said, no, thank you. I do like to support the homeless, but I prefer to give homeless people money directly, really, rather than buy something that I don't want. Um, but I wasn't going to give this guy anything because, you know, he was in my space. Um, so I said, no, thank you. And he just kept at it. It was like it was uncomfortably long. It was like five, ten seconds of him, ooh, magazine, magazine. So finally I said, buddy, I don't want it. Please leave me alone, right? So he turns around and he goes to do the same thing to somebody across the room, but only does it very briefly and then he's out the door. And as he walks out the door, I look down and I realize he's picked up my phone from the table that was next to my iPad and he's got it. So he stole your so iPhone. He stole, He basically, he played me from my iPhone. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 of course, I immediately step outside the street. He's gone already. So I go back inside. I have my iPad there. So I immediately go in to find my iPhone. And my phone is already turned off. So this is a guy who knew what he was doing. I actually have a suspicion that the second group he went to, after he picked up my phone, he probably handed it off to them, to somebody there. Because um, they were gone very quickly as well. Yep. So uh, I think that that's the game, is that you pick the phone up, you immediately pass to somebody else. So then if you get accosted, you can say, I haven't got your phone. Um, and he was gone. The phone was off. So... Uh, obviously this is somebody who knows how to steal an iPhone because that's the first thing you do with an iPhone when you steal it. So anyway, I, I, I mean, the phone is encrypted with a, a six-digit passcode. I'm not worried about my data, so I immediately put it in lost mode, um, 
go to the coffee shop manager and say, "You do you have CCTV in here? I explain what happened. She goes to check the CCTV. She says, yeah, we, we haven't really got a good view of the guy. Um, and obviously he knows where the cameras are as well. You know, this is a, the thing. And she even says to me, she says, oh, this happens a lot in this area. And I kind of thought, well, thanks for the warning. Um, and so that's it. Yeah, so I lost my phone. And... Um, I was, uh, and, and you're immediately struck by what the hell do I do now? Cause I can't call anybody cause I've lost my phone. Right. You know, I, I sent uh, an iMessage to, uh, to my wife to let her know what happened because I had the iPad still. Um, good thing I, I was rocking an iPad pro. Otherwise he probably would have tried to lift that as well. Um, and, uh, so I, I, you know, I said what happened and, uh, this morning I went to work and I, I have a spare uh, handset that I use when I travel. I have a 5S that I use when I travel, just in case it ever gets stolen when I'm traveling. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, so I, I took that out this morning, and uh, when I went to work, explained what happened. I said, "Look, can you get me a, a SIM set up with my work number again, um, and uh, we'll claim for the handset off the insurance." So, uh, but it was just, you know, it was it wasn't very pleasant, and uh, you feel like a dummy, and you, you feel violated. Said, you do, yeah. I, to be honest, not so much violate. If if I'd been mugged for it, I would have felt more violated. Yeah, you just felt you like know, an the, idiot. The guy didn't, you know. Obviously, he stole something from me, but the yeah. guy, you know, it's not like having something taken from you by force, right? But you, I, I feel, um, feel I feel like stupid. Feel, yeah, you feel like an idiot. And, like, and I can't and believe I, I fell for that. For being stupid, because yeah. I get I, that. But I mean, it's not your fault. I mean, exactly. And yeah. that, but in some respects, that annoys me as well because I'm, I'm. You know, you have this human reaction of feeling like I should have been better than that to not let that happen. Yeah, to me. but and the, then you're then you're angry with the dude for making you feel that completely unfair and unreasonable emotion. And that, and, 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 go, but here's the yeah, here's the opposite of this, David. If you had been prepared for this and you'd been watching out for it, it, probably meant you were kind of a cynical prick. Probably, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. You don't want to be you're, the you're, right. You're looking for the worst in everyone, and you're not that yeah. guy. You don't want to be that guy who looks at every single uh, no. kind of rough person on the street and thinks, oh, God, you know, he's a no. criminal. That would, be, yeah. that would be classist, racist, whatever you want to say, depending on what the guy looked like. I mean, what was he uh, – what was his ethnic background, could you tell? Uh, he, was, he was definitely from the eastern – from the eastern part of Europe or further, okay. so he was either he was either um, African, kind of Libyan or Syrian, right? Or, um, but Turkish see, but see or your like your that. your initial thought wasn't this guy could be dangerous or this guy could be a thief. It was annoyance of dude, you're in my space. You want to back up a little bit here? I'm not interested in this. It wasn't yeah. wow, you look like a thief. You look like a dangerous yeah. person. You don't look trustworthy. You didn't think yeah. those things because you're not a cynical racist. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand why you feel like, I can't believe that happened to me. I can't believe I didn't see that coming. But, I mean, you know, it happens to, to good people all the time. Yeah. The the other thing is, from a technical point of view, I, I just find myself thinking, wow, what the hell do they do with these phones? Because you would imagine, with all of the controls in, and, you know, Apple are fighting a court case at the moment. Yeah, the FBI can't even unlock this stupid <laughs> yeah, exactly. thing. What are you, what's this guy so, going to do? So what is the value of – surely the street must would know, unless they have some way of overcoming these things, no, that, that iPhones are so valueless if you steal them that well, it's not bothering with. Unless it's a good shape, they could pull the glass off of it, and they could sell that. They could pull the battery. They could sell that. I mean, it, there's value there stripped apart, but – I don't think enough to to warrant something like that happening. They're just hoping you don't have a password in it. That's what they're hoping. 
right. that you're a trustworthy guy. You don't think your phone's ever going to get stole. So, you know, there's no sense in, in putting a passcode on it. You know, and, and we've just we just deployed these iPhones pro- uh, probably last October. Um, and I, uh, for a few people, I actually had to make them put a passcode on it. Yes, and, that's and exactly I, I the point. Broadly surprised that anybody and and these are phones with a touch sensor. As well. In fact, I, in fact, there was a guy I spoke to just before I went on vacation. He'd set up a passcode on it, but he hadn't he hadn't enabled Touch ID. I said, "Why would you do that? The whole point of Touch ID is to simplify that unlocking process. Why would you not spend the couple of minutes it takes to do that?" Oh well, I just hadn't got around to it. You know, and of course, then he does it, and he goes, "Wow, this is really amazing!" And I think, "Yeah, you tool." <laughs> yep. Yeah, and his will never get stolen. That's the sad part. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Uh, speaking of Apple and the FBI, um, you know, I made it quite clear last week what side I come down on. I don't trust any government, any government, uh, to be able to have a backdoor key to unlock any phone. Um, And And I don't want to rehash that, but Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Microsoft are all going to file briefs on Apple's support, to support Apple in this case. So I'm glad glad they finally come. Finally. It took weeks. Well, they they basically were saying to see. They're hedging their bets. Yeah, they were saying to see how public opinion went on this. And even though um, there's been quite a few surveys, and you have to wonder who does these, who who sponsored these polls, saying that actually a, a, a large. A big majority of Americans actually side with the government on this. Well, it's, it's all how you ask the question, too, because of I know it is. And, and, I yeah, saw and someone on Facebook. They actually got a telephone call with a with for exactly this, and it was worded in a way that if you say yeah. you support Apple, you're yeah. definitely pro terrorists. Right. Yes. You know, right. you you yeah. want babies to get blown up by terrorists exactly. with bombs in their iPhone. Yeah. I mean, it's Which, ridiculous. Yeah. Which is why I say you have to, you have to wonder yeah. who sponsors some of these polls. But clearly, you know, the, the rest of the tech industry has been has been trying to figure out whether they this plays well for them to support this or not, uh, and um, whether they want to let Apple go it alone. And they've clearly decided it plays well for them to uh, support it because I'm sure their lawyers are saying, "Look, these are, are legal arguments a- Apple are making. They are not trivial. They are, you know, what Apple is saying is most definitely the case." Yeah, it's going to affect this government- industry for. 50 years government always overreaches Mm -hmm. it is what it does um and this is a this is i I mean to me this is a shocking um a a shocking attempt to try and subvert democracy because it doesn't surprise me but america has been doing that for many 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 years now and the american people are maybe maybe just starting to wake up you know the government and the news media try to play edward snowden as some jackal back you know bad guy who is an anarchist and just wanted you know to to be the most un-american he could by whatever uh, yeah. you know well they made him out to be a terrorist yeah and he clearly is a hero uh, Absolutely. you know he saw exactly what was going on how far reaching the government was way beyond the powers that they were granted in the constitution or any law and he brought it to light yeah. At personal risk to himself, and <sighs> this is just a prime example. The government wants to overreach, forcing a tech company to write software so they can crack any phone. And, and Congress has made it perfectly clear 
that they don't want to ban encryption. And even the White House, who broadly support a lot of these measures, have said, we are not going to ban encryption. So, And yet this effectively bans encryption because the only – the only um, – if this were to become precedent uh, and, and become standard procedure, the only economical way for any tech company to answer what would be the floodgate requests would be to disable the encryption mm-hmm. or, or backdoor the encryption. Right. Um, and here's the thing. Like, this doesn't stop encryption. Even if the FBI wins this, uh, there's going to be third parties that's going to offer unbreakable 128-bit encryption. And this is the stupid thing. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, it, it these makes no sense. nobody. No. Because the terrorists just go and get unbreakable tools. Encryption. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so it, doesn't, it doesn't fix the encryption black hole for law enforcement. All it does is you, me, and, the, and the, our neighbors and our, the, you know, the law-abiding citizens of the country get their data intercepted. When they want, when the FBI fancies it, not uh, not terrorism. You know, what's funny is there was a meme going around on Twitter and Facebook, and it showed an iPhone. It says the government is going after the manufacturer of this tool to fight terrorists, and it showed an iPhone, but not this tool, and it showed a gun. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, as a as a, a you know, kind of a British person looking at this, that's one of the things I I find perplexing about some of the statements the FBI director has made. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I can't look these victims in the eye and say I didn't do everything to try and find out what what happened here. And yet the in terms of the scale of gun atrocity, if you take the the idea that these people might be inspired by ISIS out of it, this was not a large atrocity compared to other gun incidents that happen and I don't see the FBI going after those guys' phones because everyone just assumes they're crazy loners. Yeah, and that just happened here where I live. Yeah, uh, no, I know. Yeah, Kalamazoo, Michigan, which uh, a guy is driving for Uber and of course the story is about Uber now. Of course. <laughs> of course it is, yeah. Um, that, that the crazy this, guy this, got done. This guy worked like eight hours for Uber and between picking up and dropping off passengers he was shooting people. Complete random strangers. Um the majority of the victims came from Battle Creek. And so, once again, the, the media focuses on the wrong thing. They don't they don't go, wow, this guy, you know, how did he get the gun? Maybe we should do something about such easy access to murder tools. Instead, well, you know, we don't have Uber in Battle Creek, and here's a good reason why. Really? That's... That's what you pull out of the story. I love Uber. I, I just started using it, a, you know, less than a year ago. Love it. Fantastic. It's not here in Battle Creek at all. And it won't be now because it has to be approved by the city government. And they're going to use this as yet another tool to to keep the monopoly with the taxi companies, which exactly, is completely yeah. corrupt that, and super expensive. And, and they will say that they are doing it in the interest of public safety. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a huge tragedy. There was another mass killing yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Three or four people died in Kansas, I believe. A uh, guy got a gun, went into his where he worked, and shot a bunch of people. Um, there'll be another one in a couple days. There'll be another one a couple days after that. And, the, and yeah. there'll be no talk about getting rid of murder tools. None. No, absolutely. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, the other thing with the FBI getting into phones is that it's nothing to do with terrorism. Mm-mm. 
Yeah, they, 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 they're using that as the excuse because that's how the government always likes to do Well, they that. lied at it's first like, and said, no, this is a one-off. This is just about this. Yeah. And then the FBI, basically, the, the director of the FBI comes out and says, oh, we've got another 10 phones. So, yeah. no, it's not just this one. That's they're right. trying to set a those, precedent. Those 10 phones won't be terrorism suspects. They will be drug dealers. All right. Because that's really why they want to get into these sure. phones. And when they talk about the encryption going dark problem, that's exactly what they're all, all talking about is drug dealers. They're, yep. not, they're not using this for uh, terrorism purposes at all. No. It's ridiculous. It's – I think anybody listening to this podcast is clearly on the side of Apple. Um, I think anybody – presented with just facts, uh, not rhetoric, um, would come down on Apple's side on this. But I think we well, beat that to, to death as yeah, it is. Let's uh, get to let's, this feedback we've got. Uh, let's start with, uh, and I'm starting to lose my voice again. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's getting weaker and weaker. I can feel it. Um, oh, before we get there, uh, Nissan Leaf, you sent this link in. Wow, I, I, I watched this video and I read this article. Uh, Nissan's got a huge problem on their hands. This was, you know what? I, I mean, here's the. Do we know side. anybody who owns a Leaf, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah. Some some guy in Britain. Some guy in Britain does yeah. some tech fan show. You know what? This is this was this was interesting because you'd have thought I I I saw the story and and it it hit the national press here, it hit the national press in the states. I thought everybody who owned a Leaf would have heard of this, and yet. Um, there were guys at work yesterday in, who, who used the um, charging stands. They're going, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't remotely defrost my car this morning using car wings. I uh, went on my iPhone and it kept on timing out. What the hell's going on? Uh, and I just emailed them and said, uh, oh yeah, it's probably because Script Kid is trying to hack your car. Uh, <laughs> so um, basically, what happened is that is yes, as I say, there is an app for your for your Android or your iPhone uh, that connects to the telematic system in the Sunleaf. There's a, a low low data rate sim in there that means that the car can update charging station locations and stuff like that and one of the things this app lets you do is send a signal to the car to either start it charging stop it charging or maybe turn on the heating system or the um, cooling system or the environmental the, controls exactly yeah, yeah. And if it's also, hot out you can set the thing to kick the ac on a half hour before you go outside out or, yeah. particularly if the car is is on charge which means that you you get to use you don't use the battery for that so exactly. that's, that's one of the advantages there and it turns out this system effectively has no authentication whatsoever and no encryption no no not only no encryption but not even any verification right of, who you are and everything effectively it's a web server up on the internet and it uses the vehicle identification number to identify your vehicle and they're all the same vin numbers except for usually the last five digits so, so yeah. yeah so you can you can put a and people have done this and have found it works is you can basically run through a script that tries different queries on this server and eventually you'll hit a, a valid vin number and you'll get somebody else's data out and and then again if you send a command saying turn on the air system or turn on the heating system it'll go oh yeah okay valid vin number that's fine there's just no security in it whatsoever either encryption or authentication and it blows my mind that any company in this day and age can develop a system like this and think that that's okay and Is we're it, just uh, talking about encryption you? and security on on your telephone and yeah. this is a car and it has no security when it comes to the uh, – It's this is mind-blowing to me. This is almost unforgivable. I, I, I completely agree with you. I was very angry when I read this. I immediately went onto uh, Nissan's website, and I disabled my account um, and deleted it 
so that um because i thought well i but i'm not even going to take the risk that they're going to fix this and as i said to a couple of other people go Ooh, well, you know it's cold at the moment and i want to be able to remotely uh, defrost my car in the morning i said this is structural i said this is stuff they need to do fix at the back end and also stuff they need to fix in the app and they need to come up with something bomb proof this is not going to be a quick fix this is a complete rewrite of this system don't expect it to be working now nissan initially apparently this guy notified them over a month ago of this and they did nothing about it and so you know as a responsible ethical security researcher he basically notified them again said i told you about this you've done nothing you told me you're doing nothing so i'm going public uh, within 24 hours of him going public, Nissan had actually disabled this server. So at the moment, the system is, has been turned off. So yeah. they realize they've got um, a bloody nose uh, in the press for this. But, you know, it, again, it just stuns me that we keep getting this. And this is what scares me about this whole Internet of Things, is you get these companies and they're so desperate to deliver functionality to the market. They just, they just don't treat security seriously. Yeah. You know? Well, they do want someone dies because of it or property is massively damaged and uh, and they get sued and it costs them a lot of money and it gives them yeah, a lot but, of bad yeah, how, publicity. How about, how about avoiding that in the first place by just spending Doing a few the right extra, thing. Yeah, a few extra... And look, uh, we're not picking on Nissan because there's some kind of... A, it's a Japanese company. I don't care who makes it. This is just... Well, this I is mean, a worldwide it, epidemic when it comes to tech companies. It yeah, just and, is. And, and then the ones that do the right thing, like Apple, that fight uh, <laughs> yeah. for, on our behalf, they get blasted in the media. They get well. This, yeah, this is why this is why the FBI gets so pissed when App, a company like Apple actually comes up with really robust securities because they're not used to it. They used to being able to hack their way through anything they want. Oh, well, they and, didn't have to hack. I mean, the, the phone company of old had a long history of uh, allowing pretty much anything to go on on the phone network if it came from the government if it came from law enforcement they didn't even require you know hey we got to see a a search warrant no they would just go okay yeah go ahead and and now some people have said with this nissan thing i was well maybe the reason that nissan did take seriously is because the um the you know what they what you could do to the car was pretty limited well it's yeah well yes and no turning on the heating in the car could run the battery down that could leave you stranded somewhere if somebody did that to you yep um if if that's a, if if you're a vulnerable person and you're out in the middle of nowhere and uh, that happens to you then that could have life affecting consequences now you could argue that's a bit of a stretch and it's like well it's not like they can affect the brakes and it's not like they can affect the steering or the navigation system or anything well actually you can send navigation details to the car um and once you've got access to a vehicle, then it's only one more hacking step before you get more access. Yeah, where so is the vehicle? Know, GPS yeah, where data. is it? Maybe you can disable the vehicle. Yep. Maybe you can track the vehicle. Maybe you can get personal information from the vehicle and use that to, um, you know, join up dots and f- find vulnerable people when they're on the move. Yep. Uh, or maybe next year's leaf or the year after that leaf has autonomous driving controls or a radar cruise yeah. or something have, like that. Has anybody heard of self-driving cars yet? Yeah, exactly. The point is you can't just think, oh, well, okay, it's, it's fairly low risk, so the security doesn't matter. It's got to be built in from the start. Yeah, it's got to, it's, they have to have uh, this thought of security first, safety first, and they clearly don't. No. So let's get to, uh, before we wrap this show up, let's get to our feedback. Uh, first one's from uh, uh, Alyssa Paselli, and she sent this via Facebook, uh, talking about the person who sued Apple 
over a scratched watch. I have a watch. Yeah. She says, The reporting about the man who sued Apple and won for the broken Apple Watch wasn't the greatest. However, I blame the man, not Apple. Besides the fact that he publicly claims to break everything he has, did he bother to confirm with the Apple salesperson that the watch he chose was break or scratch resistant? Many people don't take personal responsibility for their actions. Let's just blame the other guy. If the man did ask and Apple gave him bad information, then that's a different story. But it doesn't sound that way. The United States judicial system is so broken, but that's a story for another day, i.e. making a murderer. And again, Um, this was uh, in the UK. It was in the UK. It wasn't yeah. the so, uh, American justice system. <laughs> yeah, our, our judicial system is is really no better. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, Lisa, I completely and utterly agree with you on that. I, I felt that the the guy was far more responsible than the reporting suggested, uh, and I was I was amazed that he won his case. But uh, I guess, you know, sometimes the uh, sometimes the law is an ass. Is that what they say? Well, the. It's it's an imperfect system. I don't yeah. care what country you're in. I mean, it's it's laws ba- made by man to govern man behavior, and yeah. therein lies the problem. The next one, uh, we talked about printers quite a bit the last time yeah. you were here, and uh, you know, I, <laughs> I I've been reading more about this, and this is a subject we we should come back to again, uh, especially with the the scam that some of these companies are pulling when it comes to ink and mm-hmm. the chips on the ink. Um, but Downey Yankelo has uh, some feedback for us. I thought I would chime in on the whole printer thing. I used to avoid all-in-one machines and always bought the scanner and printer separately. I always thought, and still do, that the more in, the more in one device, the more there is to break. However, they have come a long way, and I currently have a Canon all-in-one, including fax, and I love it. The basic advantage is that it takes up a lot less space, and they are so cheap now, it just makes sense. Well, they're as cheap as, as far as the you know buying a brand yeah. new one in the store. That's right. Yeah. However, yeah. As far as ink cost, before getting this printer, I once bought a new printer based on the fact it was cheaper to get a new printer than buying the ink for the old one. I actually knew of someone who would buy a new printer each time he needed ink because it was the same price or even cheaper in some cases. I do prefer printers with multiple cartridges for color. That way, you can swap out a yellow, for example, when that runs out, and not waste what is left of cyan and magenta in a combo cartridge. When I taught graphic art a few years back, I had two printers in my classroom that had eight cartridges each. They printed beautiful photos, but we also went through three times as much cyan and yellow as we did green. I also only bought Canon ink because there was a huge difference in color quality between the Canon ink and generics. Generics are great for general printing, but there's definitely a different different quality uh, difference in quality. Uh, as far as the generics go, not all printers can use them because they put these chips in there. Yeah. And if they don't have basically decryption keys on that chip that communicates with the printer saying, hey, I'm an official Canon ink cartridge, it won't print. Yeah. And they also have uh, anti-temper stuff that means so you, you can't can try refill them. If you pierce the cartridge to put more ink in it, the cartridge kind of figures it out and then the chip disables itself. So uh, and it, it's, it is... It's a bad do. It's definitely a bad do. What I would say, um, something that I didn't talk about last time, and Donnie mentions a scanner. Um, you know what? An iPhone is a pretty good scanner nowadays uh, for an awful lot of stuff. And it's, it's not good for scanning photos, but if you if you have, it's not bad for a, scanning photos. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, I'm talking about. I'm, 
as as you and I both know, Donny is a is a, a graphic design and yep. a graphics teacher, so I would not suggest that he could substitute a flatbed scanner for his iPhone. But for uh, most things that most people do, most of us want to kind of copy receipts and letters and and things like that. An iPhone is perfect for that and really really good, and you can save yourself the cost and the and the space consignments of a of a scanner if you just need to scan documents by just getting an app for your iphone and doing it that way it really is i use that for all my work receipts all my colleagues do as well um the stuff we scan is immediately saved to dropbox which means we can upload it to our salesforce system for uh, expenses and everything and it's absolutely brilliant it's so much more convenient than doing it by hand with that, I think we're going to wrap up this episode of uh, the Tech Fan Podcast. I know we're not quite at an hour, but we're close enough. And uh, for those who didn't pay real close attention, David, there was an actual edit in this show. You had to step away from the mic for like 10 Smoke minutes. Smoke and mirrors. <clears throat> now then, now my voice is going. It's obviously catching through It's Skype. catching, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm curious. Anybody who thinks they heard where the edit is, let me know. Maybe I'll, yep. I'll find a, a giveaway or something. I don't know. Yeah, it, I, if you can identify the exact time code of the edit, then Tim will let you come to his house and throw snowballs at his at my roof. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Uh, there are a couple local listeners, so um, although they'd probably rather throw snow at me than the roof. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap up this episode. We'll be back in uh, one week with another exciting episode of Tech Fan. And hopefully my voice will be better, and uh, David will have a phone that's not stolen. That'd be cool if you can get that one back, though. You'll never see it again. <laughs> I know. I don't. I. I the, have you uh, have you keep have you pinged it every day? Oh so? no! I will. I mean, I've 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 basically when you set loss mode up, you can set uh, find my iPhone to notify you as soon as the thing comes online. It hasn't come so, online, I, and it hasn't come online. So, yeah. <laughs> and I don't expect to ever it to ever come online again. I, I think it will. I think somebody will try selling it to somebody that's unsuspecting. That person will turn it on. And when they the first thing they'll, they'll do is they'll get a message saying this phone is stolen. Call me and my number. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and we would report it to the police and all of that. But would you actually go if someone calls you and say, "Hey, I got this phone. I just bought it for fifty pounds, and uh, I turned it on." And uh, I'd I'd probably. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be in London. I'm not in London. I would not travel down to London to get it. I would call the local police. And I, say, I think it'll be somewhere like Zimbabwe. I expect. So. <laughs> I don't expect somebody from uh, Africa to call me and uh, say, I found your phone. No. I, I think that would be surprising. But who knows? could be Baltimore, man. Someone <laughs> in Baltimore calls, hey, I, I just bought this, man, and what's going on? Well, uh, here's the passcode. I'll unlock it. You can have it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. My phone's ringing now, so maybe that's it. That's it. Maybe that's the call. <laughs> yeah, the thieves are calling. All right, David, I'll talk to you next week. See you soon. Bye. Bye.